0: fossil fuels were going to provide energy access and prosperity for everyone, they would have done so already.
1: I am fully aware of the national circumstances and positions, but I am also very much aware of your sincere commitment towards reaching agreement.
0: We need these multilateral processes housed under the UN to help countries figure out how to cooperate, because no one country can do this transition alone. You're listening to The Lid is on the
2: last COP27 podcast. Yes, the last show with me, Connor Lennon.
0: And Laura Quiñones.
2: This is it.
3: Yeah, it's not, not what we come. expected though.
2: No, exactly. No, because no. we, we were thinking, okay, it's the wrap-up podcast, but it ain't wrapped up because, well, there the whole is. thing isn't wrapped up. <laughs> so we're going to give you more information on where we are exactly with this COP27. There is a lot more to say about that.
3: But we're also going to take a look back at what has been achieved, nevertheless.
2: particularly from a UN point of view. And also, we're going to get some of the reaction from the NGO, civil society side on this COP, the way that they think that this COP has gone. But let's start off with the negotiations. It's not a wrap-up, is it? Where are we exactly? And also, some idea of when this all finishes.
3: Some of the big themes of this COP, we know, loss and damage... Climate finance, emission reductions, and the call for a face-out of all fossil fuels, not, not a face-down of only coal. Being the torniest issues this COP, they haven't been agreed yet. And the COP27 president, uh, summit, Shukri, gave us an informal stock take around like, lunchtime. And he said that he expects COP to finish tomorrow, Saturday. So definitely not finishing tonight.
2: Deliberately or not, uh, Mr. Shukri was channeling the UN Secretary General's highway to climate hell metaphor that he, that he used at the beginning of this conference. And he was talking about shifting gears to get a resolution, Had to shift into another gear now. But yeah, he admitted that time is running out.
1: I remain committed to bringing this conference to a close tomorrow in an orderly manner with the adoption of a series of consensus decisions that will be comprehensive, ambitious, and balanced. I am fully aware of the national circumstances and positions, but I am also very much aware of your willingness to be flexible and your sincere commitment towards reaching agreement. Let me now set out how I see the next 24 hours unfolding I will now take ownership of all outstanding work, and I will look at the outcomes in their entirety. I remain concerned at the number of outstanding issues, including on finance, mitigation, adaptation, loss and damage, and their interlinkages. I call upon parties to urgently work together to resolve these outstanding issues as swiftly as possible. Our collective responsibility today is to identify the highest common denominator between parties on the key issues. The global community is looking to us to be bold and ambitious, and it is in your hands as heads of delegation and negotiators to push for ambitious outcomes on all elements under consideration. The aim will then be to refine solutions that can be reflected in the presidency text to be prepared and issued at the earliest, hopefully late tonight. I urge you all to make full use of the remaining time we have a lot of work ahead of us, so let us swiftly get back to work.
2: Sami Shukri, the president of COP27. As we said just now, Lara, outstanding issues on a lot of areas. Loss and damage, he mentioned, emissions, finance and adaptation.
3: Yep, the 100 billion promise that still hasn't been has delivered. Has not
2: materialized. There was a lot of attention on one speaker in particular, a very young Ghanaian activist. She's called Nakia Dramani Sam. She's the youth ambassador for the Climate Vulnerable Forum, which is a partnership of countries disproportionately affected by the consequences of climate change. She made a pretty really big international splash after her heartfelt speech, in which she implored delegates to make real progress on funding loss and damage.
4: Some of the communities in my country, Ghana, are paying heavy prices since our planet was lit on fire. This puts a simple question on the table of these fire starters. When can you pay us back? Because payment is overdue. I appeal to you, have a heart. Should we let the youth take over? Maybe only the youth delegation should be at the next COP. Right now, I kindly ask you to pause for a second and spare a thought for our children and our grandchildren and our nieces and nephews or remember yourself at my age. It is my real hope that this COP27 will act for us. I'm sure nobody wants to betray us.
2: That was Nakiat Dramani Sam from Ghana. She's only 10 years old. She's the Youth Ambassador for the Climate Vulnerable Forum and I'm sure we're going to be hearing more from her. So Where are we now? We're hoping for some kind of presidency text tomorrow and the presidency is still banking on getting all this wrapped up tomorrow, Saturday. When he was talking in the plenary the president did mention 24 hours so that would take us to around lunchtime Saturday but we do know that the buses are running until Saturday midnight.
3: At least, yes. So who
2: knows? Who knows? Who
3: knows? There are so many issues that are not decided, not only on the outcome text, which is, you know, the final decision, which is like the big political declaration, but also on the agenda items themselves, uh, which take a lot of work. And yeah, we really don't know what's going to happen.
2: Okay, well, let's go back to what we do know on progress that was made from the UN side. And right at the beginning of this COP, we had the outcomes of the UN Secretary General's high-level group on net zero. That's getting to a net zero carbon economy.
3: Yes, at COP26, the Secretary General said that he will appoint a group of experts to check and review all these promises that were made last year by non-state actors, meaning like companies, uh, some cities, but not, not national governments, on um, becoming net zero, carbon neutral, and reducing their carbon footprint.
2: And their focus was on bringing in some more rigorous... Standards, so that we can really judge whether these commitments are for real or if it 's just greenwashing nonsense exactly then also we had an announcement on early warning systems, so this is all about bringing in systems that will help people in vulnerable countries to better prepare next time there is uh, some kind of climate-related shock. It could be a tornado, it could be flooding, and this could potentially save millions of lives. If people are just able to have more notice of when the next climate shock is going to happen, it could really help them. And in terms of loss and damage, we said earlier that this has not been agreed, this fund for loss and damage, but There was a lot of attention around the European Union, which is obviously an organisation that brings together many developed countries. They say that, in principle, they approve the idea of a fund for loss and damage. But, of course, the devil's in the detail.
3: Yes, the funding will be linked to emission reductions and question marks over what constitutes the most vulnerable countries, which will benefit. Also, a representative from the European Commission, which was the same person who presented this plan today, said early in the week that they will agree on this only if China will pay too.
2: As we record this podcast, we know that the 1.5 targets the global temperature rise is still on the table and possibly also the idea of a fossil fuel phase out but we don't have any that details not of not yet
3: on the draft text the fossil fuel phase out is not on the draft text and that's been one of the biggest issues for the ngos present here on the civil society um, reacting to it uh, it still it still retains the language of glasgow which was the down, down off coal. coal, only coal, not oil and gas. Yeah,
2: as you can tell from the way we're talking, mm-hmm. a lot of things are still undecided. But we did get the reaction from some of the NGOs and civil society groups who have been present here over the last two weeks at the Climate Action Network press conference. So what were the main points that they were discussing at that press conference?
3: Well, basically the same points that we've been talking about for the rest of the podcast, loss and damage keeping the 1.5 alive and talking about phasing out all of the fossil fuels and also the climate finance which is the biggest for adaptation.
2: And one of the speakers on the panel today was Catherine Abreu. She's an internationally recognized Canadian campaigner and she highlighted the importance of closely linking these aspirations to keep to the 1.5 degree warming target and tangible steps to phase out fossil fuels.
0: If we are to see an acknowledgement of the science of 1.5 degrees, we must have a reference to the need to accelerate the phase out of coal, oil and gas, and invest rapidly in equitable transitions to energy efficiency and renewable energy. Fortunately, there is a growing group of countries in this process who are calling for the inclusion of all fossil fuels, Um, needing to be phased out in this cover decision. We've got major producers, major importers, major polluters, major exporters, and those most vulnerable to the impacts of climate change to say, we acknowledge that meeting our climate commitments requires us to move away from fossil fuel dependence. We keep hearing, oh, we can't get rid of fossil fuels tomorrow. Oh, fossil fuels are essential to meeting development goals. Well, if fossil fuels were going to provide energy access and prosperity for everyone, they would have done so already. We are not talking about fossil fuels being turned off tomorrow. We are talking about the need for an orderly transition that takes care of people and is done in an equitable manner. And that's why we need these multilateral processes housed under the UN help countries figure out how to cooperate because no one country can do this transition alone and no one country can do it without the support of other countries, in particular those that need wealth to be transferred from the hands of the, wealth, of the rich countries and companies that have benefited from fossil fuel production for over a century
2: climate campaigner Catherine
4: Abron
3: Well, and we don't have the information to tell you about the final outcome. Sadly not. There is no final outcome, but you can look out for UN News. Just Google UN News. You'll find those first option and you'll find the final outcome whenever it comes on our website.
2: Yeah, so you checked on Google, right? UN News.
3: Yes. And our website
2: does come to the top. It
3: is the first one, yes.
2: I wanted to have my last wander around the pavilions today and also, to be honest, find a coffee and it wasn't quite a ghost town. As you can probably hear right now in the background, there are still plenty of people. But there are plenty of signs of packing up, even as the negotiators continue working away behind closed doors. Now, do you remember right at the beginning, Lara, I upset the UN police somewhat. I got myself yep. in a bit of trouble. I was recording <laughs> where I shouldn't, and I do apologise if they're listening. Well, guess what? I managed to get in trouble. Oh,
3: my God. Again. Honor. I'm sorry. Why do you make us look bad? I can't, I can't help myself. <laughs>
2: It's noticeably, but not surprisingly quiet in the pavilions. There are still lots of people around from the various delegations. I'm walking now into another courtyard where I haven't spent too much time. This is the buffet area. It's a little far away from our office, which has been dominated by burgers. I feel like I've missed out now. We've got salads, we've got ice cream and some nice looking pastries. Hey, hello. <laughs> this is Shiv from UNF Triple C. How's it been going for you? This is your first COP.
0: First COP, so just learning to kind of roll with it. But really, uh, really impressed by the scale of things, and really uh, amazed that this actually happens every year—an event on this size. But I think we need it, right? I mean, climate change is the emergency of the moment. So,
2: would it be rude to say you look a bit tired?
0: <laughs> but not thanks, as bright Goddard. and bushy-eyed thanks, as you were back at the Goddard. beginning. Uh... You know,
2: you wear it well, but I don't blame you. <laughs> I mean, I look exhausted. I've probably aged about 10 years since I've been here. I was saying just now this is the first time I've been in this quad because mm. it's such a long way from where we are. Like you said, mm. it's a huge venue. Mm. But it looks like you can get decent food here. Yeah. You should have come here more often.
1: Yeah. Okay,
2: well, I'm going to yeah. carry on. Yeah. Thanks uh, like for stopping by. No problem. Thanks for hosting us. This is your gig, after all. Yeah, no worries. Hope to, see you, hope to see you next time. Yeah, exactly. Take it easy. There was Shiv looking after content, his first cop. He's from UN Climate Change, or UNFCCC, to give it its full name. I'm walking down now to the Thai pavilion. I was hoping to get some matung tea, but they're packing up. Everything is in boxes already. Same with a few of the other pavilions here. All those big digital TVs are being packed up. But I do want to make a pilgrimage over to one particular pavilion, which has been a bit of a lifesaver this whole time. The Canada Pavilion has been my main supplier of decent coffee these last two weeks. Helping me to avoid the huge queues to get some caffeine to keep me going during these long days. I've got a feeling I might have offended Shiv a bit by saying that he looked tired. Maybe the office space won't be as nice and we won't have so many all-access passes. Sorry. Okay, nearly at the Canada Pavilion bad sign there's nobody manning the coffee stand yep that looks like it's it even they've packed up but if anyone from canada is listening thank you merci very appreciated keeping us going throughout cop 27 that was a complete hashtag fail on my part to get some coffee but a canadian colleague did get me an espresso so eventually in a way Canada did come through. Thanks Nathan. <laughs> and apologies to Shiv Vashisht from UNF Triple C for saying he looked tired, but I would be surprised Shiv and also a bit suspicious if you didn't look tired at this stage. Now, although we have to pack our bags and say goodbye to Sharm el-Sheikh, the Lid is On continues in your feed every week. Episodes do drop every Friday. Like and subscribe if you haven't so far. We've got some great examples, women in peacekeeping, fighting cyber-terrorism, cleaning up space trash, developing northern Uganda, you name it, all of the many ways in which people at the United Nations are trying to make the world a better place. It's always interesting, it's always engaging, so like and subscribe and i'm sure that in 2023 we're going to have many food related stories (laughs) because Laura is abandoning me abandoning us at hq she's going off the food and agriculture organization in rome pretty soon i think
3: yeah december 1st i start
2: we will be hearing from Laura in some way or another because she's probably going to set up some rival (laughs) podcast soon to try and get you all to subscribe to that i can't do it without you oh that's beautiful i'm gonna cry All right, so I think that we should yeah, wrap it up because we don't have any more news for you no, right now. But as, as Lara said, do stay glued to the UN News website because at some point this weekend, we think some kind of announcement is going to come. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us every day throughout the last two weeks. As I said, tune in next Friday for
4: The Lit is On.